0: You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2022 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we are again here gathered together and we are thankful and grateful for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, uh, we do not claim any wisdom or understanding of our own. We just ask that you will lead and guide us to share uh, the things that are important in relationships whether it's marriage and family and life, God, help us to be able to convey um, something that is uh, real and timely and encouraging. Be with us now and everyone who is here and on their way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All righty. So we want to kind of do a quick review here because, you know, ours just... Yeah. (laughs) We try to fit as much in as we possibly can. So people were asking, so I want to make it clear yesterday that the codes that you see up here, which are QR codes, these are for two different things, one, On the right is called Grief Recovery, and this is for those who are interested outside of camp meeting pursuing grief recovery, which is different than Grief Share, which Grief Share is awesome, right? And we talked about that a little bit during our session yesterday, that it is important to have a space, a safe space to talk about your losses. Grief does not just center around death, okay? But beyond that, there is actually actionable um, things that you can do to take you from a place of just grief and loss to completing that grief all right so we can talk about that more and I run recovery groups um, often so you can go there and find out when the next one will take place then coaching the next one here is for those who are while here at camp meeting are interested in meeting with us one-on-one for individual coaching okay whether it's your relationships if you're married not married kids no kids grandparents not a grandparent or you're you're just wandering the earth aimlessly you can come talk to us okay all right so that is that we are going to move on. And just to give you a little bit of information about what grief recovery goes over, um, it is the method of taking people through an action program for making be, going beyond death, divorce, and other types of losses, okay? So this is just giving you a little run through of what that is, all right? Um, let's see here. And this is actually when the next group will take place is um, at the end of this month. So if you're interested in that, we have a special one for those who are, um, here at camp meeting if you would like to participate. Oh, sorry, so sorry. (laughs) I'm a little bit busy.
1: And these take place- Virtually,
0: virtually, because yeah, I can't come to everywhere (laughs) where people are so, Zoom is a great thing. So that's where we do our grief recovery work for those who are not locally where we are in Troy. All right.
1: All right, so. Just a, a quick review you you prayed already, right? I did I believe let, I let did. me pray again. okay,
0: I mean, well I go ahead you have to let the Lord use you yes more prayer, more okay prayer.
1: Father in heaven, please be with us mm-hmm. and help our minds to be mm-hmm. uh, what they ought to be mm-hmm. in Jesus name, amen
0: Amen. amen. Oh,
1: so um, okay so, um just to to review what we have gone over,
0: yes. So yesterday we um, introduced you to the idea of tune-up and that all relationships, no matter where you are, what kind of, uh, well no, let's not say that in today's day. (laughs) Back that up. Whether you're married or not married, right? Um, Whether you are a parent, wherever you are in your stage of relationship, um, all relationships require tune-up because what happens is we run into crises that will come along and catch us unaware and we find ourselves in trouble. All right? So we are going to be going, we went over with you yesterday that one of the areas that really touches a lot of people's lives and we have gone through it over the last few years is an exponential amount of loss. Um, Loss does not only encompass death, but death does not only encompass people. We have loss of pets. We have loss of Um, Of course, spouses, children, friends, and loved ones, right? But then when we think about loss and we're grieving, we also grieve transition and change. Um, Moving, job loss, promotions, retirement, graduation, coming out of retirement, emptiness, becoming a caregiver, releasing caregivers. You be releasing from being a caregiver, you name it, right? Then we have, yes, okay. Um, others, um, End of addiction. So when you are actually ending an addiction career, that's a loss, believe it or not, for people. Health um, and also financial gains and losses. Even improving health can be kind of a shock to the people around you. You ever experience someone you've been taken care of and then they get well and then you feel kind of like you're not needed anymore? It happens, right? Community. Normal patterns of life behaviors and things of that nature didn't we all experience that during the pandemic the problem with not actually processing these things is if we don't process these and many more we can experience or these things will sabotage our ability to be able to relate to others and our relationships we shared also yesterday about the statistic regarding marriage yes divorce rates are going down but where are they rising right 50 and older so our parents Are at risk and which is weird to think about right so they're divorcing the older that
1: we are at risk
0: well we are at risk yeah praise God okay (laughs) oh yeah I don't know right okay Mm
1: -hmm.
0: anyway um, and then some of the intangible losses that we experience that we really don't actually think of as losses but they really are or that we can grieve over them things like trust I have lost trust I have lost safety control Anybody fear losing control? Can I just be honest? I have a 20-year-old soon, and I'm fearing losing control, saints. Pray. Ugh. Okay, loss of respect, loss of dreams, loss of normalcy, and loss of faith. That is a huge one, but I am so grateful to God that we don't need to be intimidated by people saying they lose their faith because a healed heart can gain their faith back. Amen? Woo, that was great.
1: Yes, so, okay. um, continuing on in that... Uh, review, uh, we share with you a few things about grief, yes. what is grief, let's read that together, it is the natural and normal response to a loss.
0: Key words, normal and natural,
1: all right. right? And we suggested that our Creator mm. does what? Yes, God himself grieves, that's one of the reasons why we know that it is natural and normal. Number two, now this one we didn't articulate yesterday, although we talked about it, but we didn't spell it out. Mm-hmm. And um, this one is, grief is the conflicting feelings caused by the end of or change in a familiar pattern of behavior. Mm-hmm. Now I gotta press pause and I gotta say something about that. Now I didn't, I didn't tell you I was gonna do no, that. No, you but, didn't, but that's okay. You know, th- th- This is when the Lord answers our prayers. Mm-hmm. So. Notice that grief is the conflicting feelings caused by the end of or change in a familiar pattern of behavior. Did you know that I can live in an abusive home? Oh, yeah. And when my abusive parents die. Are you following me? I miss them. This is why that word conflicting is there. Mm -hmm. You know, people will tell you, I mean, why are you crying? I mean, don't uh, with all that they put you through, you should be glad that they're gone. But there are conflicting feelings. Now, let me ask you a question. Why do you believe that there might be conflicting feelings, even if I'm if I'm moving out of or if a, a, a dysfunctional or abusive relationship has ended? So even if emotional, even if it's a bad relationship, emotional connections are still important. So the loss of what you wished it could be, the loss of hopes and dreams. Yeah. Yes. Ooh.
0: Mm. Yes. Yes. I yes. feel
1: like I failed. Yes. I failed. Let me let me throw one more in before we move on. Mm-hmm. Even in a dysfunctional and abusive relationship, there can be good memories. Ah. Right? So my dad used to take me to the ice cream store and I, I, I remember that and it was the happy time, mm-hmm. even though my dad was, right. My mom used to make me, she would knit and she would sew for me these wonderful things and I remember the first time that I would get them even though my mom was, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so we can have good memories yeah. even if the totality of what we're looking at was negative. That's why that conflicting, and a lot of people don't understand that. Sometimes we even become frustrated with ourselves Mm -hmm. because of the conflicting nature of what we're experiencing.
0: Another one that's really, really common, believe it or not, this word, oh, right here. When you are becoming a caregiver of a parent or releasing the care mm-hmm. of a parent, yes, a yes. lot of people have conflicting feelings, right? When your parent passes away and you feel relief
1: mm-hmm. while
0: also feeling sad.
1: Mm-hmm. Ever been there? And then you begin to feel guilty. Mm-hmm. Right, but but it was difficult to care for a person mm-hmm. who needed your care and your services 24, 24 hours, hours, a day. hours a day. Right? Yes. What right?
0: Yes. Right. Even while you're in it, Even it can be it. those up and down feelings. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Let's,
1: let's let's move on now. Okay. Um, Genesis six six. We already shared that one. God also grieves. Mm-hmm. Um, and then third, grief is read that together. Not about, but a wounded or yes. And what we what we tried to emphasize is that when it comes to grief. A lot of times we want to intellectualize. If we can help people to understand, if we can just give them more information, that it will help them. But we discovered, when we looked in the book of Ecclesiastes, sometimes more wisdom and more knowledge, it merely compounds the grief. Mm. So grief is not about a broken brain, Mm -hmm. but it is about a wounded Right, go ahead.
0: And, I, and I can't remember whether or not I shared this with you yesterday, but I had a friend who um, was not a seven-day Adventist, and so she did not have an understanding of the state of the dead, right? And so when her husband passed away, and this was a young woman, um, when she found out that her husband was not looming over her, right, looking down on her, and she was feeling guilty about moving on, it gave her some relief. So that is an instance where knowing the truth can set you free, right? But guess what she still experienced? she lost, she missed her husband. Right. So hope and grief can actually coexist. Now we we're not built to grieve forever. Right. But hope and grief can coexist at the same time, saints. And it's okay. So
1: he, he, what he said <laughs> is that, you know, he was happy that retirement was there because he felt like uh, he was on vacation for the first two years. Mm-hmm. But after that, he began to dream about his coworkers and and, and he began to miss just the camaraderie of everyday uh, activities at the workplace.
0: And, it's, and I, I'm actually glad you said that because these are real things, right? Can we be honest? Of course we can, right? We look at retirement in this glorious thing, like, oh man, I can't wait till I reach there. And then when you get there, you're like, what is this? Right? And then the change of the dynamic, the family dynamic. Let me tell you what happened during <laughs> the pandemic.
1: What no, happened- No, 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 wait, let me look, say this. Because my sister alluded to it. She was just joking, <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> Look, for eight to 10 hours a day. Yes, commutes. And- I am not in the presence of. And now I wake up every morning, I turn over. <laughs> I get up, I walk out, I, I go on the porch, somebody comes next to me. Like- so even though we may have been married, <laughs> listen, for 40 or 50 years, yes. we are not used to. We're not used to all being that time in, in each and right right so now i become frustrated in every little thing she does yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and every little thing i do right because she's not used to cleaning up she only she's like okay you, you know he's gone now <laughs> so the house is mine right and now i'm just leaving stuff all over the place and i know just, oh, just socks and stuff rhythm right <sighs> So it happens. And it, and
0: it happens. And listen, this is what the pandemic really exposed. Guess what it exposed? That we really didn't know each other the way we thought. That we really didn't. We had coping mechanisms. I don't know about you, but shopping can be coping. Help me, Father. You know, um, work can be coping. School can be coping. And now I'm at home looking at my husband and my kids. Jesus, what is it? People, literally, it broke families down during the pandemic. To the point that where families broke apart in exponential numbers because they're like, oh my gosh, I, I, I'm, in a, I'm in a family. I didn't realize it, right? Mm. Yeah.
1: Let me share something else. Little things, and uh, you know, again, this is not even in the notes, But let's go on to the next one just so, <laughs> so I can keep going. But listen, gonna... little things become magnified. Yes. Right? So if my wife is extremely negative, the type of comments that she makes towards me mm. because i'm gone for 10 hours a day i can deal with you it.
0: can tolerate right? it
1: but when retirement comes or sickness intervenes now i am dealing with the negativity that she is bringing 24 hours, hours a day. day and it becomes intolerable it becomes overwhelming, it's it's too much. And I'm thinking to myself, remember what we suggested from that Bowling Green State uh, um, uh, study, that divorce amongst those who are 50 and older has doubled, right? Why? Why? And, and, And this is one of the reasons right we used to be able to be apart Mm -hmm. there are things that have become magnified now that we're spending more more time time together Mm -hmm. and it's like I could deal with that when I only had to really deal with it for two and a half hours a day but now that I'm dealing with it all day every day it's it's just overwhelming yeah he said said his retirement (laughs) I gotta get Uh get, get yeah Amen. amen Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. He said it lasted for two months. Two months. And he said, I've, I've got to get out. So we yep. went and opened up another business and everybody's happy. We're going to help you to process some of that. <laughs> <by> <laughs> All right. So somebody came and they made a comment to me and they, they mentioned about process. Yes. And uh, we're, we're going to talk about that briefly, but unprocessed grief, loss.
0: Next slide. Or, unprocessed okay, Unprocessed
1: grief, loss, change, transition can and will sabotage our relationships. There are a couple of practical things that we try to share with you about how we process. The first one is to articulate. The first one is what? To articulate. That means that we acknowledge and identify, we call out what the loss is. We actually say it,
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right?
1: So in the case of my brother Chapman here, you know, I miss the camaraderie yeah. at work, yep. right? Mm-hmm. I miss the projects mm-hmm. and, 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 and the innovation and whatever was going on. I miss that. Yeah. Articulate it, call it out. Mm-hmm. Now I want, I want to press pause because you guys actually, ah. we actually had you do something that you didn't even know about yeah. yesterday, tell them.
0: So yesterday we had people get up out their seats. You wonder like, what is all this mess up here, right? This is you, this is your, me- well, no, not your mess. This is you. Okay? And what we did is we actually took you through the very first part. Let me tell you something. I don't know how many of you are willing to raise your hands. How many of you, was this the first time that you actually acknowledged any type of loss or transition out loud? By physically getting up and walking down. Or in a physical manner. Or in a manner. physical manner. Thank okay. you. Thank you. you There are plenty of people who have experienced these things, but they've never actually verbalized and processed through what they've experienced, right? So you did the first step. So congratulations, give yourself a hand. Now,
1: let me just say (laughs) this too. There were some who heard things being called out and you knew that it was in reference to you, but you didn't get up. Yeah. You didn't get up, you didn't mark it down, Or maybe you marked down one, but you didn't mark down another. So again, we talk about articulating, you know, identifying the loss. Mm -hmm. And for some of us, we may think, oh, that's easy. No, it's not. No, It's not easy for everyone Mm -hmm. to say, I actually am grieving. I'm hurting because of this.
0: And sometimes the reason why we don't do that is because we don't want to offend the people around us, right? because maybe I'm, I'm a wife, or I'm a husband, or I'm a parent, or I'm a child, and to acknowledge my own grief is to maybe diminish the other person, but that is actually a myth, okay?
1: Yes. All right, next. So number one was articulate, and again, these are some, a few practice, not the whole thing, but a few practical things. Number one is articulate, number two is express your feelings, and we suggested that a lot of times there is hesitancy when it comes to expressing our feelings, because it involves vulnerability, mm-hmm. vulnerability. I, I have to say that you know I needed you
0: mm-hmm.
1: in this way, and it hurt me that you were not there for me.
0: Yeah.
1: It hurt me that I missed out on this or that in my relationship. Yeah. And so, expressing our feelings is is key. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, no. And then we closed out by talking about forgiveness. Mm. Uh, So the first one is articulate. Say that. Second, express your feelings. (laughs) And third, forgive where necessary. (laughs) Forgive where necessary. necessary. So Mm -hmm. we shared a couple of things. Please, if you get, oh, maybe, I don't know. Isaiah chapter 48, I just love it. But there we read about God having an experience of grief. He articulated the loss. It was the loss of the hopes and dreams that he had for his people. He expressed his feelings. I'm angry, right? And he also said, I forgive you for my own sake. And let Mm. me just repeat to you what we suggested yesterday. Um, We suggested that that scripture illustrates God is being able to be free to treat his people as though they haven't sinned as he releases himself from being bound to their betrayal. Mm. So God says, I forgive for my own sake. And I hope you got that. Yeah, because oftentimes because we talk about forgiveness purely in a theological context, who benefits from God's forgiveness when we talk about it? We do. We do. And so think about this, my friends. When we talk about forgiving someone who has hurt us, what are some of the things that pop up? Well, that person isn't, they're not what? They're not worthy, somebody said, yes. What else? That person's not? They're not sorrow, they're sorry, they're not repentant for what they've done, right? They They don't don't care. care, Right? So, and, and as a result, we tell ourselves, I can't or I won't forgive them because they are not. But in reality, forgiveness is not just, it can benefit the individual if they're in the right state of mind. But I wanna share this, this Mm. this, is gonna blow your socks off. (laughs) Well, you got sandals on some of you, so it might blow (laughs) your sandals off. Listen, listen, we do not need the people who have wronged us to be sorry In order to forgive them because we just read that our Creator says I forgive you for my own sake right yeah so yes there's a theological element but in a practical sense forgiveness is for us as individuals whether or not the other individual is sorry for what they've done or whether or not they're repentant.
0: And the reason why that's so powerful is because some of us are walking around held hostage right now because we're waiting, right, for a person who is not mentally or emotionally healthy mm. to be able to reach that process. Mm. Some people have actually gone to the grave.
1: Ooh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did you hear what she just said? I don't know. I was talking. Listen, listen, listen. Look, 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 look. I'm waiting on somebody who's unhealed for me to experience healing. Mm. Now, how crazy does that sound? It
0: sounds like a hostage situation.
1: My healing is dependent on somebody who's unhealed. No, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. Yeah. And thank you, Jesus. The answer to that is no. Amen. So we
0: forgive ourselves.
1: Yes, yes. Yes. We can forgive. We can forgive in our own hearts. And we're going to talk about that.
0: Yeah. Okay. We're going
1: to talk about that. Yeah. Some more. Yeah. So um, that's what we're going to talk about in uh, the remainder of our time. Forgiveness versus unforgiveness, at least today. Unforgiveness.
0: Clogs, um, uh, clogs up our healthy relationships, right? So if we are walking around and we are holding on to unforgiveness, um, because this is often what happens when it comes to relationship, right? Um, we can leave a relationship, we can detach from a relationship. This happens whether it's with marriage, parent, child, uh, you name it, right, and we think we can walk away, and we can go in this direction, and we can now have a better, this person hurt me, you know, or forget them, I'm not going to worry about them, I'm going to remarry, I'm going to, you know, make somebody else my kid, or that happens, you know that happens, right?
1: No, nobody's done, they don't know what
0: you Yeah, talking. you, people uh, adopt other children spiritually, or, and don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with it, right, but sometimes when our own children don't want to listen to us, we go and grab on the other kids that, you know, Anyway,
1: appreciate us. More. Yeah,
0: appreciate us more. And then um, we try to have a functional relationship with these people. But all the while, the unforgiveness, the stuff is lingering back here and it's clogging things up. Mm. Yeah. Mm, mm. Mm-hmm.
1: So, what we're going to talk to you about briefly here next is emotions. Yeah. Why? Because uh, it's the emotions that are attached to people or events Hmm. that make forgiveness difficult. Say that again. It's the emotions that are attached to people and or events Mm -hmm. that make forgiveness difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't have to raise your hands. There are some of us that just think about certain individuals in our lives and it has a physiological effect on us. Like
0: that pit in your stomach? Mm -hmm. You You ever had those type of people? Well,
1: we can think about an event, a place, and it it, it literally causes a physical reaction Mm -hmm. because the emotional response is simply that strong. So we want to talk briefly about emotions just because um, of the power that emotions have. Now it's difficult to talk about emotions when we don't talk about emotional intelligence. And often people are like, ah, here we go with some of that mushy stuff, (laughs) you know, and I don't have emotions. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you do. But anyway, we'll we'll come back (laughs) to that in a minute. So some of us are like, ah, man, who cares? Emotions, emotions and whatnot. (laughs) But if if we were up here speaking in Russian and if our slides were in Russian, you, well, some of you, I don't know how many of you speak Russian, But uh, brother Alex isn't in here, or uh, okay, or somebody else is in here that may speak Russian. But the rest of you, you'd be absolutely clueless unless you had a dictionary or a thesaurus that would help you to be able to translate between English and Russian, so that you would be able to understand. Mm -hmm. Well, when we deal with emotions, it is similar to that. When we have zero, little, uh, no emotional intelligence, Mm -hmm. and someone begins talking to us about our emotions. Now, you know, stereotypical stuff, this is not true in every case. Right. But it is a lot of times. (laughs) Just like, the brethren when your wife starts talking to you about how she feels <laughs> and go ahead talk go ahead
0: so i just want to tell blah, you today blah, that, blah, blah, I, I, blah, blah, that blah, when the kids blah, they got home blah, i was so blah, frustrated blah, because they blah, left their book bags blah, laying all over the place and i had just blah, cooked and then blah, he just made blah, a little plate blah, and he only blah, left a little blah, bit and i'm like don't be wasting blah, all this food blah, on her i ain't raised you like blah, that
1: blah. <laughs> you, you you done <laughs> and, and 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 listen and after a conversation like this it's like, you never listen to me. And it's like, I'm listening to you all the time. <laughs> now, now, the problem is not that I wasn't listening, I wasn't hearing, I wasn't, hearing. I wasn't understanding,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Mm-hmm. I may actually be able to repeat to her exactly what she said like some of us some of y'all are professional at that this is is, no I was listening to you you said this and this and this and this but when we are really and truly listening and and I we refer refer to this and professionals refer to it as reflective listening when we are listening reflectively we do not give word for word back I know I just blew up some of the brethren's spot here, <laughs> so you can't say I was listening to you. You just said you wanted a half a thing of eggs and some milk and that no, 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 no. no. <laughs> when we are listening, what we are listening for mm. is actually the heart. Yeah. So when I tell her I've heard you mm-hmm. or when she says, are you listening? Then I won't give her back word for word what she has said, but I am listening for her heart and I will respond with what I perceive her to be feeling.
0: So this is what this looks like, right? I just complained about when I got home, the kids left the book bags all over the place, the socks everywhere, I told this kid to wash the dishes and they didn't do that and blah, 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 and all this other stuff. Mamas, what is the heart saying? I need your help, what else? I'm overwhelmed. This is one of the brethren. See, look at that. How are you listening? Yes. I need a break. What else? I need a foot. Oh, ooh, I like that translation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Right.
1: Right. I'm frustrated.
0: I'm tired. Well, please. Yes. You know,
1: I, I, let, tag, you know, tag. You're it. It's your turn. <laughs> Come in and, and take over for me. All mm-hmm. of those would be ways, excellent responses for hearing the heart and not just repeating factual information. And again, remember, we're talking about emotions because it's the emotions that are attached to people and or events that makes forgiveness difficult.
0: What does that sound like
1: for men? What is it? Because you
0: know, now, now again, we're not into the stereotypes because we know that there are some women who are more, you know, like they're not emotional. You know what I'm saying? So, and there's men who are more emotional, right? But when we're dealing with a man, because men don't generally, right, share a lot of emotion, they share a lot of facts, right? So you get home from work and so give me an example of what that looks like of what I need to listen for as a, as a spouse or as a party. Not even just, even with our children, but particularly with you.
1: Oh, yeah, I got a good one. Oh, Lord. So, how was your day?
0: My day was pretty good, you
1: know? Oh, uh, yeah. you, you got any plans for tonight?
0: Um, I had planned on washing those six loads of clothes. And um, then I wanted to uh, strip the uh, driveway, strip it, you know, strip it, and then paint the uh, bathroom then uh, maybe perhaps rearrange the basement. I don't know. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, wow, that's a lot. You got a lot going on tonight. Uh Oh. all right. It it, it seems like you're so busy.
0: Mm. You
1: know, so, you know, I'm I'm just surprised because normally you're either doing a house project Mm. or you're at the church. Yeah. And I I tend to just, you know, I don't, I guess it's like I don't even matter.
0: Really? You got an attitude. What's your problem? (laughs) So... What is he trying to say? Time, he need. And guess what? That word need is a deep word, isn't it?
1: I need. And it's hard for us to say that. We, talk, we mentioned vulnerability earlier, but come on. I, I don't care how long you've been married. You know, some of us may be more emotionally mature than others, but man, it's, it's hard to come to your spouse and say, I need you. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Listening, he says, is a skill. And it, 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 you know, it takes time to yes. work on it and so forth and so on. And then he was sharing that she just cut, she cut, uh, she cut it off right away. So, yes, everyone experiences emotions, emotional intelligence is, is a necessity. And I understand a lot of us may not be in tune with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you visit our website, we've got a few things some exercises there mm-hmm. to help you. Mm-hmm. So here's how I know that we all experience emotions. This is how emotions surface, self-talk. It's what we tell ourselves about ourselves, mm-hmm. about the people in our lives, right. and about the world we live in. So it may, we may not use words like frustrated or you know, need and so forth and so on, But the things that we say to ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know, you would never say these things to your spouse. Hopefully. (laughs) Let's throw that out there. Hopefully, you would never say, you know, so she'll say something, she'll say something, and then you say something to yourself in your mind about what she just said. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) And I need y'all to testify. (laughs) Tell me you know what I'm talking about. And then she's like, she sees the look on your face and she's like, what? And you're like, oh, what? No, 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 <laughs> I didn't say anything. And, and, and you're right. You didn't say anything, not verbally but at you least. you thought it. But you most certainly said something mm-hmm. in your mind. Yeah. Right? So our emotions tend to uh, surface in the form of self-talk. This is how we know that we all, in fact, do have emotions.
0: I'm gonna tell you a quick story. It was a client of mine that I spoke to um, a couple of weeks ago. She called and she said, you know, I'm just really struggling. I really, really, me and this family member are really not getting along. I cannot stand them. They're getting on my nerves. And I'm like, well, what is it? You know, what's the problem? She was like, I just know that, you know, they, that this person feels like I'm a loser. You know, I ended up having to come back home and live there and they just probably think I'm just worthless and blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, so you're angry with them because you believe that they feel you're worthless and you're a loser. And she said, yeah, and I just know that that's, I just know that that's what they think. And I said, let me ask you a question. Did they say that to you? She was like, well, well, no, no, they didn't say it. I said, so how do you know that they think you're worthless and you're a loser? She was like, well, I could just, you know, I could just tell. How can you tell? But just, you know, just how they act or, you know, da-da-da-da. I'm like, okay, I said, can I ask you a question? I said, if they haven't actually verbalized that to you, where did you get the thoughts that, uh, about? Because, you know, their actions could mean something else. Their actions could mean, you know, I don't like your dress. <laughs> you know, you know, the consonants, right? Or I don't like how you smell, right? Without saying it. If we're just basically going off of what's on people's faces, because this doesn't, you know. That makes me think they think you stink, right? However, oops, sorry. Oh, this isn't a person. Um, But what we actually end up realizing is that she said, you know what? Those are actually coming from me. See, Mm. I'm projecting what I think about myself on the people around me. Mm. And so I think, right? I said, so you think? She was like, well, I don't think I'm a... I said, well, if if that person didn't say that, where did the thoughts come from? Now, we know, right, the enemy... It's live and busy, right? But even the enemy, we give him way too much credit. You know what I'm saying? And so I said, you know, the truth is, where did those thoughts come from? She said, they came from me. I said, so what is it that you think of yourself? She said, you know what? I didn't want to come back home. Things didn't work out where I was, and I just feel like I should be further along in life. And I feel like a loser. Mm. And I said, and so now you're having conflict with the person that you're you're living with in the home, which is a family member. And you all can't get along, not because they hate you, but because you're struggling with self-doubt and self-talk. Do you know that we sabotage our own relationships based off of what we think that other people think about my goodness. Mm-hmm. We how did that go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we yeah you, said well, it. yeah,
1: you get it. <laughs> so and this is this is critical because our emotions can have a profound mm. effect upon our behaviors. Yes. The way we think determines or profoundly affects the way we feel, which profoundly in turn affects the way we behave, right? And so being able to identify our emotions, being able to acknowledge them, um, it is is a profound thing. Now, here's where we can begin to tell ourselves the truth. Mm. Now, you all, you all think that, oh, man, you know, I, I I love the truth. I'm all about fact. No, you don't. <laughs> you lie to yourself all the time. Yeah. We all do. It's why most of our lives are so jacked up, right? And I'm not talking about jacked up as though we're not finan- financially in a good situation or whatnot. But it's why our relationships struggle. Yeah. And our relationships, they don't seem to uh, to hit peak or the optimal place. It's like, man, Lord, what's what is it that's missing? And part of what's missing is our ability to be honest with ourselves, Mm -hmm. to tell ourselves the truth. And uh, we alluded to this earlier when we talked about conflicting emotions. Mm -hmm. Remember when we said that? Telling ourselves the truth means even when our emotions are conflicting, even when there's been a bad situation, being able to acknowledge and be truthful about the good that was in the situation. Hmm. Now the good that I took from a situation doesn't mean the person was good. Doesn't mean everything about it was good. But to deny that I have an experience that is indelibly implanted you know, in my brain and that gives me positive emotions about a person I can't stand, right? Then I'm not being honest with myself. Mm-hmm. you know. I, listen listen this is what telling yourself the truth sounds like I love a person who hurt me yeah right I love someone who caused me pain that I'm still living with years later
0: yeah right yeah, yeah.
1: that's what being honest and telling ourselves the truth really means and that doesn't mean we sweep it under the rug that doesn't mean we laugh and talk and smile about it and da da da, this that and the other but it means that we can we can tell ourselves the truth and when we tell ourselves the truth by the grace of god we are one step closer to being able to forgive the individual who has hurt us
0: now we want to talk to you um, within these last uh 10 or 15 minutes we want to talk to you about some myths OK? Um, and we can go to our next slide, which is uh, forgiveness myths. And this, uh, you know. Next slide, OK. <laughs> are
1: you, you going to follow the notes? Or you-
0: no, I'm going to okay. Okay.
1: So so, go OK.
0: OK, so forgiveness myths, right? Um, and for someone, so for myself, um, I am a person who experienced uh, physical and sexual abuse as a child, right? and as i grew and i matured and got older um i had a lot of skewed ideas about what forgiveness looked like okay um and so what are
1: some of those ideas
0: some of these ideas um that if you forgive the other person that's letting them off the hook and so i held on to resentments and pain for a really long time because guess what you hurt me and i'm never gonna let you forget it right i'm the victim here right And actually, I realized that that's not what forgiveness means. It doesn't even mean that when God forgives us, right? Because the truth is, he hung on the hook. You see what I'm saying? Somebody has to pay, right? And aren't we glad? (laughs) Because I don't know about you, but I also reached a point in my life where I realized that I actually have hurt people too. Right?
1: But you're always smiling. No, no, no.
0: Mm -mm, The devil's a liar. Who Mm -mm. have you hurt? I've heard a lot of people in life, right? And, Who have you and heard? At, well, I can't name them, but yeah, yeah I can name you. <laughs> right. And so it takes it takes time for God to take you through a maturing process where you understand that somebody has to pay, right? And oftentimes, you're looking for the people that have offended and hurt hurt you to come back and tell you, "Oh, I just, I, please, you know, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me," right? And that actually that doesn't always happen something happened once when I was um, several years ago Oh, I'm sorry several years ago um, I was in a situation like this where this was when I first got on social media you know and it was exciting I was a, a mom a baby at the time and one baby on the hip and one baby here and a person who had abused me when I was younger tried to friend me on social media and when I got the friend request I froze that's that pit right the heart started beating because i remembered and all of these different things and i said okay this is an opportunity for me to be honest and let this person know what they did i really thought i was going to have an oprah moment y'all i really did i was like this is going to happen and when i did express to that person what they did to me you want to know what i got back you're lying um they wouldn't acknowledge what they had done they turned it around and i did not expect that that is not what oprah said was going to happen You know what I'm saying? And so I remember going to my husband and I was just like devastated. I'm just like, how is it that this person, I've been carrying this my whole life and this person seems like they're just free. Mm. That's not fair. And what did you tell me?
1: I said, you don't need anyone else's permission to heal.
0: That was one of the most powerful things that has ever been stated to me while living on this planet. That I did not need another person's permission to heal whether they acknowledge they're wrong or not, I can heal. Why? Because Jesus says, let me stand in their place. You know, that's why he died, right? Because no one was worthy. Even if I got the apology, you ever got an apology? You felt like you were waiting for it and you're like, yeah, it's coming. I'm going to get it. And, da, 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 da. and then when it came, you're like, yeah, Oprah lied that didn't happen the way you know I, I don't I don't feel any better you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. it, it, it just it just deflates you you know
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and what she means when she I mean I, you, you probably get it but just to you know put a little more on <laughs> that you know we when we talk about forgiveness it means allowing Jesus to stand in the place of the individual yes who has wronged us and who has hurt us mm-hmm. right and our first and our initial response to that is no Why should, why should you stand in the place? Because you're not the one who did. And Jesus says, I know, but, but I need you to put all of those feelings, all those emotions you have, I need you to put them on me and allow me to stand in the place of that individual. Well, that, that makes sense. And Jesus would gently suggest, but if you don't allow me to stand in place of Mm -hmm. this individual, then you're rejecting the very means by which I can forgive you.
0: Have mercy. I've right? got to
1: stand in the place of the guilty. Mm-hmm. Which means that in a very real way, when we forgive, we are giving it to Jesus. We are literally laying it on him.
0: Here's some of the other
1: forgiveness myths.
0: Your pain isn't important. It's not legitimate. Or I must allow this person back into my life in the same capacity when I forgive. And so for some of us, that's why we won't forgive, because we're like, uh-uh, that person's not safe. So if forgiving them means I let them back in, I can't do it. Mm.
1: Right? Yeah, or I can't forgive somebody because they're dead.
0: Let's linger here for a moment. What do you do when the person who has hurt you is nowhere on the planet to be able to acknowledge what they've done or how they've hurt you? Are you left then just to carry that load? Hmm. Hmm. There are a lot of people, when I work in grief recovery, and the word is grief recovery, there are two different things. You have grief share, which is awesome, and it is important. It is one part of the process of recovering. But grief recovery walks people to completion, okay? And this is a huge one because there are people who carry these things with them because the people that they need to address, they either can't find them or they literally are dead. And so they feel in lock, but I'm going to tell you something, you do not have to remain in lock with a person who is no longer here to acknowledge. You can still forgive mm, and walk in freedom.
1: We want to oh. share a couple of more okay, where's things. My you, go ahead, go ahead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It,
0: it is definitely more pertinent to let Jesus... You th- said that it
1: seems like that would be a situation where it would be even more pertinent to allow Jesus to stand in a place Of the individual yes
0: and it is it is pertinent to let them stand but i want to tell you something there is a process by which you can go through and this is why god put us in community because the thing about recovery is it has to come up out right? So there's one thing of confessing. You know, when the Bible Mm. says confess our faults, confess our sins one to another, right? This is a part of that process. There is something to be said for healing when you have held something in for your whole entire life or however long you've held it, and you feel like you cannot speak it out loud because the person is not here to speak it to. You can speak it to Jesus, but there is power in standing in the gap for people Mm. and allowing them to speak it to you.
1: Mm. That is a powerful thing. Let me say this. I actually you know, was a, a, um, a client of my <laughs> wife's and I'm still paying that bill off. But Forever. But I was actually a client of hers and when walking through this process, what she brought out is true. It is powerful. It was powerful for me and for those who I was going through it with to express. And you literally, the person knows that you're not the person and yet all the emotional response is there as they're sharing it with you, another person who's in the same process. They know that I'm not the individual, I know that they're not the individual, but there's power, as Tamara mentioned, in actually verbalizing it, in articulating it, in stating it, especially when these are things that we have never said before in
0: transparency and in honesty and without shame yes yeah. yes
1: yeah.
0: and the same principle does apply because we all offend people whether we like it or not right mm-hmm. and when we come to a knowledge or an understanding it doesn't always happen right away that God brings it back to us and says man you know what you could have you could have mothered or fathered or brothered or sistered differently or community you know with this person differently and you hurt them you need to go and apologize and, and act you know and acknowledge what you've done to them right but this is the thing: if that person is not alive, you one, still have Jesus who can stand in the gap, right? and receive that. The other thing is, too, there is still power in confessing that to another person. Now, this is where I want to share, because there are boundaries. I'm not telling y'all saints to go out here and start confessing to everybody you walk past, or to tell your stuff to everybody who walk past, because everybody's not mature enough. Everybody don't have the mind or the heart to deal with that. But we all should at least have communities. And this is one of the reasons why we're doing this is because we are ripe for that right now because of all of the loss and all these things that people have experienced in their lives. Um, we're we creating this group at our church called the C3 uh, challenge And what this is, is a group that walks people through change, challenge, and choices, right? And you get to come there and in a safe environment, not judged, we're not psychologists, we can't diagnose people, but what we're doing is creating a safe place for someone to come and confess without being judged that this is what's really going on in my heart and my mind and I need to get it out, right? And you will be amazed at how heavy people are, people that you've probably even been trying to win to Christ but there's something that's stopping the process and sometimes it's those very things, seeking forgiveness or needing to forgive.
1: So um, I had the opportunity uh, 2019 to travel to um, Brazil and I was a speaker for a conference there. While there I met a young medical student and um, she was sharing just a profound and powerful testimony. She had gone to a secular university for medical school She was the only Seventh-day Adventist on campus and she started a group well first of all here's what she did she she started out by witnessing and one of her witnessing methods was I just want to talk to people who are experiencing depression so she just started talking to people you know didn't have all the answers but if you're depressed I'm here what a group (laughs) it ballooned to over 40. It did so well that in subsequent or in in, in following years, the university began to publicize her group uh, as a group to go to if you are dealing with depression. But here's one of the things that she said. She said Mm -hmm. she wanted to teach her group about community. So you know where she took them? She took them to the local Seventh-day Adventist church. (laughs) No. (laughs) That's not where she took them. She took them to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. Go figure. Listen, these were atheists
0: mm-hmm.
1: and when they came back, they had a, you know, uh, uh, um, an opportunity to share on what the experience had been. These young medical students were weeping, you know what they said, I have never been in a group Mm. that has exhibited such transparency and vulnerability Mm -hmm. in my life. We're weeping. Now, I just happen to believe (laughs) that's what prayer meeting ought to be
0: like. Amen, amen.
1: Three people said amen, that's all right. (laughs) But literally, people ought to come into our meetings and they ought to go away with a sense that I have never been around people who are as transparent And vulnerable, and what does that demonstrate? When you can be transparent and vulnerable with somebody, someone, it demonstrates that what? It demonstrates you care. It demonstrates there is love and trust. You're not going to be transparent and vulnerable Mm -hmm. with people who you don't trust, with people who you don't love. What did Jesus say? He said, "By this, they may know know that you are my disciples." Yeah. These young people in this, in this medical school, they began giving their hearts to Jesus. She took them on a mission trip, they came back, they said, man, look, we wanna join this church. Listen, it's, it is a profound thing to experience what my wife has talked about, vulnerability and transparency, and there is a supernatural bond, we believe, that goes along with that.
0: Ooh, there's so much. Okay, so we only got a couple minutes left here. Um, duh, 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 duh. So another one here.
1: So forgiveness we have is to remove the feelings of resentment against the offender. It does not mean I condone what they did. It does not mean, as she suggested earlier, they get off the hook. It does not mean that I'm going to forget what happened.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Right. It doesn't mean any of those things.
0: All right. Um, I cannot forgive, and, and again, it's so much. We don't have enough time to really delve fully into all these things. And you're right. <laughs> um, a lot of people, when they, I had an experience like that not too long ago, uh, last year, actually, you know, someone had done something that I did not like, and at that moment, they came. to was like, "Oh, can you forgive me?" And I was like, "No, right now, I don't have that that heart to forgive." You know. Now I know that sounds. You know, listen, amongst Christians, that sounds rude, doesn't it? Because the minute that someone asks you to forgive them, you feel the response should be, yes, I forgive you. But that wasn't the truth, right? Mm. So you can be truthful and honest and say, you know what? I want to forgive, but that's not where my heart or mind is right now, right? Mm. Pray for me or pray with me. I'm going to pray about that, okay? So again, this is learning how to stretch that, um, stretching ourselves and accepting that we can be honest, right? That's what it's, yeah, honest. So the action first, feelings follow. You ever heard that? it's true you're but not gonna not, always that's not
1: how we deal with forgiveness, right we believe that the feelings should come first mm-hmm. and then the act of forgiveness will follow
0: and again that doesn't mean that this hasn't happened for you that God has given you instantaneous right and it, because it didn't happen for you doesn't mean that God is punishing you or God didn't hear my prayer I want to forgive no it takes process sometimes God wants you to dig deep and find out why is it right? What is it about what happened to you? So that you can go to a place where you can actually thoroughly forgive, not just fake forgive, or I thought I forgave, but then when it happened again, you know what I'm saying? I come back. So yeah.
1: Yeah. And let's, let's just say this as well, Mm -hmm. uh, because we mentioned that it's possible to forgive even if the, the individual isn't there. So how, how can, how can they, how can I go about doing that?
0: Forgiving if the person is not there. Or if the person
1: is dead, I don't know where the person is. How -hmm. how do I do that?
0: Um, What we do is I walk people through um, some of the things that we talked about earlier. First is acknowledging what is it that actually happened, right? Um, And then verbalizing what are the feelings that uh, took place in that process. And then at that point, there's actually another part too, because when we harbor unforgiveness, um, we can tend to lean towards being offenders. And you're like, what does that mean? I don't know about you, but sometimes when I just hold on to unforgiveness, I can be ugly.
1: Mm.
0: Isn't that yeah. Yes.
1: When amen. you don't you
0: can I didn't ask you to agree. I'm just, I mean it's uh-huh. it's out there, right? Uh-huh.
1: That's how we are. <laughs> that's how we are right
0: so sometimes it takes a process of you also apologizing like now some people like i'm not apologizing because i'm the one that was offended Mm, that may be true but sometimes when you haven't dealt with your own process and stuff you can become an offender in the process that's why it's so ugly you got to deal with it right so it may require you also for apologizing i'm sorry sister april because when you hurt me man i held this unforgiveness in my heart i wanted you to get ran over by that cart outside you know when the next person came with the tram you know what I'm saying? So please forgive me. <laughs> but you know, that's a real thing, mm-hmm. right? You know, so acknowledging where you play a part in the process of moving forward in forgiveness, mm-hmm. okay?
1: And, and so let's draw back to something that we've we've already talked about. Um, and number one is um, number, the first thing that we shared, it was an A word. Yes. Anybody remember that A word? Articulate. So this is how we forgive someone who no longer there you know we can't we articulate what the loss was yes and then what what else what was the number two what did we say we do we have to express our feelings in other words you know how was i affected Mm -hmm. by this person's behavior or lack thereof right and then when we forgive what we are doing is we are giving our emotions the hurt and the pain, we are giving it to Jesus. Now, I wanna say this. There are many people that we need to forgive and we don't ever need to talk to them. Let me say that again. There are many people that we need to forgive and we don't ever need to speak to them because you, you hear what my wife shared about her experience, right? There are some people who don't need to hear I forgive you because let, let me let me share with you how that sounds how that can how that can be interpreted hey Tamara, mm-hmm. i man i've been praying and i've drawn really close to the lord oh, okay the lord has showed me a lot of things mm-hmm. and um you know he, he he showed me that i needed to forgive you mm. because of uh the way that you've treated me and you've neglected me over the years and If I come to her like that, (laughs) what's her response gonna be? Like, okay. Or she's gonna become defensive, right? She's gonna become defensive. And so, you know, this is why, man, I appreciate, thank you, Jesus, Mm -hmm. that we have something that people in a secular sense do not have. We can go to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I may not need to come to her Why? Because she may not even be ready to receive that conversation or she may not remember.
0: You ever had that when they don't remember?
1: Right. So I need to go to Jesus and I may not. Or if the person is dead, I can go to Jesus when I can't have a conversation with that individual. And ultimately what I'm doing is I'm giving my but I've got to I've got to be able to state them. Hmm. I've got to be able to articulate what, what it is. I've got to be able to express it to Jesus. Don't just, you know, this is how we pray. Oh, Lord, please, you know, it hurts. Help it to heal. Amen. You no, know, how does it hurt? Yeah. Why does it hurt yeah. the way it does?
0: And who hurt you, know, you?
1: Yeah, I was taken advantage of. Yeah. You know, Lord, I, my, my trust was destroyed and I can't even trust people anymore. Mm-hmm. Lord, I still dream about it. At night, mm-hmm. Lord, I, and, and as we become expressive in this way, this is what it means in a, in, in very, in a very practical way to give it to Jesus.
0: Okay, I got to say this one last thing and then we're going to let you go, right? Um, because we know Matthew 18. I know some of you, that bubble was popping up in your head, but Matthew 18, Matthew 18, right? What does Matthew 18 say? Go to the person. And that is true, but let me tell you something. There are certain instances where that is not safe. Mm. Do you understand me? We have to be careful, saints, when we're telling children to go and talk to an abuser or a woman or a man for that matter, because we act like it's only women that have abuse happen to them. Men can be abused too, right? To go to their abusers and uh, and confront them and if it's not a safe environment, we have to be balanced with that thing, you understand? So let's make sure that we understand, yes, Matthew 18, you do go when it is safe and reasonable to that person and you address that person, but there are some instances where you cannot go and it is not safe, okay? Mm
1: And by the way, Matthew 18 is in, in the context of the church. That's a Christian context. But even in a church setting, I had somebody say to me that they felt like my child should come to them as an adult. And, you know, I'm like, nah, Mm-mm. nah, bruh. That's not happening. Y'all should say that, practice that. Say, nah, bruh. No, Don't I'm say that. <laughs> I'm just joking. But no, 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 that's not, that's not happening. My child is not gonna go to an, an adult who you know, has offended or something like that, it's mm-hmm. not the way that works. Mm-hmm. So let's be careful, yes. let's be careful when we are applying some of those things. Uh, let, 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 let us close with a word of prayer. Yes, let's close with a word of prayer. Okay. Father in heaven, thank you for the time that we've had. Mm-hmm. I pray that um, these things that we have mentioned in terms of forgiveness, articulating mm-hmm. the offense, the hurt, um, expressing our feelings, And then, Father, being able to take those things and literally give them to you. Mm -hmm. I pray, dear Father, that you would help us to experience the freedom that we can only have in Jesus. For if the Son sets you free, Mm -hmm. Jesus said, you will be free free indeed. indeed. I pray, Father, that we would experience the freedom that you have designed Mm -hmm. and desire for each one of us. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.
0: To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio 22 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcasts.